Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful week. We are, oh man, we're getting close to being in November. We already are in November, so <laughs> we're 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 on the we're on the cusp of November. So joining me is Micah Current. Micah, do you have any Thanksgiving plans? This I year? don't. Thanksgiving is actually my favorite holiday of the year. So. But it definitely felt like November this weekend. My wife and I, my wife was in like full soup making mode this weekend. Um, oh, man. Uh, we, it was cold and rainy. I don't know what it was like up in Bexley, but it was cold and it was rainy all weekend here in Ohio. Southwest it was, Ohio. It was cold. It was rainy. Saturday, I had every intention to go to the Ohio General Assembly. I didn't because, not because it was cold and rainy, but I was sitting, I've been at my doctorate week all week. I've been sitting all the time i was exhausted my wife was exhausted too she's just like i got up i got up early with the kids and was just and she's like hey is it okay if i lay down for a little bit and that was the thing she's like oh i'm just feeling really not feeling good i want to lay down is it okay i know you have to go to ga i'm like i just said you know what i just don't feel like going to ga i just feel miserable today and i just really want to lay down i want to lay back down so she ended up laying down Going up to the room, ended up sleeping for three more hours. I um kind of laid on the couch with the kids and just kind of make sure they weren't killing each other. Um, Lazy and, Saturdays are okay. They are. And then afterwards, we did once we got kind of got our energy up. It was like around noon, so we decided to go to my buddy's uh, and my former boss's uh, farm up in New Carlisle. So we went and picked up some pumpkins and did a corn maze, and then we went to Young's Dairy Farm. Yep. I haven't been there in years and they just built like this new building. We went in there. That place was packed. I was starting. How to far is like, that from you guys? It's about an hour. Okay. Yeah. So my father-in-law, my in-laws live up in Heber Heights. Okay. And yeah. My father-in-law was like a hardcore cyclist and uh, a group of the Dayton cycling club will ride from Dayton, Heber Heights area, all the way to Young's Dairy, get food and then ride back all the way to Dayton. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they do that once a week wow that's why i asked how far away it was from you guys mm-hmm. yeah it's not it's not too far it's actually not that bad at all so yeah but i mean we went there and i'm like yeah this is not great at all like i don't want to do this and um but needless to say um needless to say it was pretty uh it was a pretty good trip, and the kids got to enjoy. Because I mean, I haven't. I come home from Ashland, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna go to bed now because I'm exhausted, I'm tired." So I didn't get to hang out with my kids. So I figured, you know, as much as I would love to be at GA, and as much as I love to have that time of worship and connecting with other pastors in the state, I really want to be with my family because I hadn't really engaged with them for the past week. So, how was your doctor uh, week? Uh, it was good. Actually, it, it was surprising because there's a couple times where we were in the library to kind of do research. And they kind of showed me they showed me like where I can find like all the uh, doctorate projects um, online because you can find all of them through Ohio Link, which, you know, eventually once my once my doctorate gets approved and I've got that DR in front of my name, anybody can look at my project on Ohio Link and then eventually anywhere in the world because it starts in ohio link and then eventually gets distributed distributed to across the entire world so anybody can like pick up my document and read it for free so yay if you have 
insomnia you can read that uh, but... <laughs> one of my guys uh, one of the guys i work with he finished his phd last december okay he, he uh, talked about the whole publishing process and how it was available online and he's like if you want a snoozer you can read my dissertation i was like man i'd love to but <laughs> yeah but the, but the surprising thing is i'm looking through all these and i was finding all these people's dissertations from the church of god like i was surprised how many church of god people got their doctorate from ashland because it's like like Chris Cottrell got his. Um, there's a couple of people who are doing research from like different Church of God congregations and the history of the Church of God. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, look at that. So I get mine. I'm getting it from Miami University because it's free. Yeah. But I finished so, my master's. But I'm glad because I finally got a couple books in. So that means I can actually start finishing up my proposal and get that submitted. So, um, yeah, so it was a good week. Like, I pretty much have half my project done. or At least I got half my project approved, like my research question, my purpose statement, my goals, all that stuff. So, good. I even started working on my um, research metric tool. So I started working on that during the week, even though. I don't technically don't need to start working on that till like next semester, but um, my wife and I were talking um, on Saturday. We had kind of a lazy weekend too, where we just kind of laid around and did some stuff around the house. And she made a bunch of soup for the week and we watched a bunch of movies and, you know, it was cold and rainy, so we didn't do much. And uh, we were talking yesterday, you were talking about how it's almost November or practically November. And I'm like, bro, where did summer go? And then where did the fall go? And it's like, um, we're talking about school. Like I have, I'm, I'm ahead in both of my classes this semester. And so like, I think they're done in the middle of November. Like my coursework is done in the middle of November and I have a sprint course in January and I'm done. Like, I can't believe that. Like, you know, I kick myself for not doing this sooner. You know, God's timing is perfect. And oh yeah, it's great. But um, it's like, wow, I started this last August, this journey. Right. And I was, you know, podcasting with you and talking about it and excited about starting it. And man, I cranked it out in a year and a half. And it was like, here's here comes January. I'm, everybody's talking about like, man, this time needs to slow down. This year needs to slow down. We were talking to Jordan. Uh I was talking to Jordan over the weekend and Jordan was like, Man, where did twenty twenty three go? And I was like, I don't know, bro. It just went flying. But I was like telling people that <laughs> I can't wait till this year is done because I'll be done with this master's degree. <laughs> Yeah. Thankfully, I don't have a thesis or a dissertation or anything like that. I've, you know, I've done a capstone paper, but I didn't have to do a big research project or dissertation thesis track with this degree. I will if I do the PhD program. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's the thing too. Like, I think it's just good timing for when I started mine because it was like kind of towards the end of the pandemic. I've already left the church I was pastoring. It's like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm trying to look for jobs, can't find anything at this at this point because everyone's still kind of cautious or or whatever the case may be. And it's like, and I know I've wanted to do it for years. And Laura goes, Well, we'll just do it. I'm like, okay. So I did it. And it happened to work out because right when I did it, there was a bunch of scholarship money. So I got like all the scholarship money. So really it was kind of like a breeze um just to very cost cost effective for me to go to school. Um, even if so, I didn't, even if I didn't oh, retire from Miami, I would be forever indebted to them because of this tuition waiver. 
I got a thirty plus thousand dollar master's degree for free. Yeah, absolutely. So that's and that's good stuff. Like, and it's nice when universities do that. Like, I'm still. I mean, even before I started my doctorate, I just liked that with Ashland, I could still access all the research databases. I could still access as an alumni because most of the time, once you graduate, it's like, you know that you you know most of the time you graduate, you don't get any perks. It's more of like, hey, give us money, support your school. <laughs> but this one, it was like, hey. You could access our research database. Hey, you can audit one class a semester for free. It's like, man, I can audit classes for free. There's a class at Miami that's offered. It's like the history of Star Wars, and I really want to take it. And I think I can audit it for free. Well, there you go. After you're done with your, like, you know, I'm going to take the Star Wars class. All right. But um, as we kind of move away from academics, I want to talk about media because I feel like, Micah, um, I don't know about you. I just feel like across television and film and even streaming, there's just been a rolling increase of Christian media film. You know, it seemed like it seemed like when the Kendrick brothers came out with. uh, Was it facing the Giants like. It's like, oh, here's a Christian film that's kind of breaking out. That's going to be in theaters. It's not something that I'm going to get at a Christian bookstore, like straight to VHS or straight to DVD. It's like, oh, it's actually going to be in the theaters. And it just seemed like with the Kendrick brothers making stuff, um, you know, we famously Mel Gibson, The Passion of Christ. And I think that kind of really, I think it was The Passion of the Christ that really kind of kickstarted everything that, hey, there is a market for Christian-based film. Because I felt like after that point, when Passion of the Christ came out, that's when we started to see not only Hollywood trying to tackle some biblical epics, like there is uh, Noah with Russell Crowe, um, and even Exodus, Gods and King with Christian Bale, like there's that movie. Um, Did you ever see The Resurrection of Gavin Stone? I love that movie. I really own good. that movie. It's it's like there's certain like, and we'll talk about the quality on Christian films. But I mean, I think that paved the way for things like the Kendrick brothers doing their thing and um, God's the God's not dead films, which I cannot stand those films. But I will say that there was one year I remember because I had my movie when Movie Pass first came out. I got it. It's a subscription where you could see like one movie every 24 hours for like $7. And then the company went bankrupt. Don't know why, how that happened. (laughs) But because it was a steal, it was a too good to be true deal. And it actually was true. But there was one, literally there was one time where I was watching a Christian based film every week because one was being released. I, I believe I was watching I guess technically, if we count Wrinkle in Time, because technically it's a Christian book by Madeline Engel, but the Disney interpretation was so bad. And then there was Paul the Apostle, and then there was like God's Not Dead three. And I mean, I'm inviting those are they up to now. And then I think, and then the other one was Resurrection of Gavin Stone. Like it was like all those films kind of came out the same year. How many God's Not Dead movies are there? Three, four. There's four. The fourth one is is it has something to do about taking our country and our nation back. And that kind of was released like right during the tail end of the Capitol riots. Probably not the best marketing ploy, but. 
Why are DVD sales down? <laughs> oh my gosh. But um, yeah, but it just seemed like even, even not only that, but even if you look at documentaries, like we've talked about the rise, we've talked a little bit on this show about the rise and fall of Mars Hill. We talked about the Hillsong exposed thing that was on um, discovery. I mean, I, I did watch the, um, Oh, was the Hillsong. It was another Hillsong documentary oh. that actually interviewed Carl Lentz and it was on Hulu. Oh, I think yeah. it was like FX Hulu, and I watched that. Um, and then now I'm listening to a – it's not necessarily a Christian-based one. It's from NBC News, but they're, it's called Grapevine, and it's looking at the school district and how this uh, group of, like, religious – conservative religious people are, like, saying, you can't do this or you can't do this in the school and stuff. And it's been very interesting just listening to the dynamics of that and kind of – you know, all that stuff and kind of how much politics and religion mixes so much within certain states and how it doesn't always lead to great things. Um, right. So it was, it was very, it was very fascinating. And then I was just, I was just curious. I thought this would be a good topic because it just seemed like now, like I saw a video and actually I might pull this up to play it for you. Cause I don't think I even, I thought I shared this with you and apparently I did not. But the Chosen wanna... is another one, right? That you mentioned to me oh, yesterday. Oh yeah, the Chosen. Yeah, the Chosen. Like that's that's, a, that's got a lot of traction over the last couple of years. And that, it's not only getting a lot of traction from Christians, but I think there's even like people who are not churchgoers who are very interested in the show too. And I know it got some flack because there was like someone showed like a cameraman or a camera, and it had like a pride flag on it, and people started getting all riled up about that, and you know. And then people got riled up because the producers are Latter-day Saints. So they're like, oh, it's not real. It's not real. It's Latter-day Saints. And I mean, you know, I feel like anytime when something's popular, it's like. It's like there's always going to be people within the camp that are going to like criticize this. But um, this is actually a documentary that's coming out next year. It's a teaser trailer. And I just came across my TikTok and I was like, holy cow, like this is interesting. So I'm going to go full screen. I'm going to share this on our screen. So I'll let you watch it. And uh, But the film is called uh, Save for the Whole Family, How to Make a Christian Superstar. So, uh, yeah, we will go ahead and share that real quick because I don't know how to get the volume to work. Everything's <laughs> up. I could hear it fine. Oh, because your headphones. Oh, my gosh. Well. You can just edit that out. Mark for edit. <laughs> edit. No, we'll keep it in because I'll be the story's gone wild. Me messing up something. No, but I'll, I'll I'll share that this documentary and you can. It's called Safe for the Whole Family: How to Make Christian Superstar. You can find the trailer on YouTube. But it goes in like that at the beginning. From what we did see, that <laughs> was was Lee Nash from Sixpence None the Richer, and it's like, oh, how that song "Kiss Me" kind of shot him up in the stardom, and now she's rubbing shoulders with like you know like more modern producers and having opportunities to be on late night talk shows and and but then we also see people like matt Thiessen from reliant k and there's jennifer knapp in here and it's just like talking about them being in the music industry and how you know they had their own successes but then it also kind of talks a little bit about the dark side of some of the things they've experienced too and it's like I watch this and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I feel like, you know, as much as we have like a lot of great things like The Chosen or 
some of these great um christian films like just like feel like just last year like the movie redeeming love came out in theaters that francine rivers book that i remember everybody in um at camp when i worked at campus every girl was reading that book like oh i love this redeeming love thing I think but my you wife at, oh th- th- is that on your bookshelf <laughs> i think so <laughs> but like actually i just saw that there apparently this year there's going to be a documentary coming out called the asbury awakening shocker i know i'm not sh- oh my gosh no we're not going to capitalize on something that the holy spirit did how dare we um but yeah there's always oh there's but there's also some stuff that looks really bad too like here's one it's it's completed it's not out yet it says it's called Carlington Castle. Carlington Castle is a Christian Game of Thrones meets Lord of the Rings feature film. A Christian-based Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. I'm going to chop off your head, but first, Jesus loves you. Ah! Give me the ring or you'll die. Give me the ring or you'll die. My dragon will eat you. Um, But yeah, even like even like with documentaries, there's been like, I just kind of pulled it up on like IMDB and just within the past couple of years, we've had the Jesus music, which is a documentary of talking about kind of these humble beginnings of where these people got their start and creating music uh, over at Calvary Chapel, um, which I've heard a lot about Calvary Chapel from a lot of my other podcasts from like not only contemporary christian music but even like christian hardcore christian punk uh there's a documentary on netflix called pray away where former leaders of the pray the gay away movement contend with the aftermath unleashed by their actions while survivor seeks healing and acceptance for more than a decade of trauma there's a movie called marketing the messiah american gospel which i'm familiar with that documentary and then there's also one that's just called j-e-s-u-s-a Which is an in-depth exploration of the relationship between Christianity and American nationalism. So you definitely know what type of, uh, <laughs> but even that, like, I mean, there was the, the family that was on Netflix, there was the keepers. So there seems to be always like a good and even kind of like that puts Christianity in a very positive light. And then we also have this other side where we see this putting Christianity in kind of a negative light. And I just, I feel like there's just so much now pouring out of christian media sometimes i feel like i just can't keep up with everything and i don't know if that's a good thing if it's a bad thing or if i'm indifferent about it because you know well what's the goal of it i think that's yeah is it gospel awareness or is it to make a buck well i think that's kind of the big thing too like i feel like Like, with like you just talked about i'm sorry you just talked about the asbury thing Right, mm-hmm. like the Asbury thing was like like a once in a time, like once in our lifetime kind of event that happened, and the fact that people were trying to make money off of it less than a year later is just kind of questionable to me. It is, and but and I think that's always the thing too, because like with documentaries, documentaries don't make a lot of money. They just don't like they don't make a lot of money at all. Now, movies, however, you put they their goal is to make lots of money because you're putting in a lot of money. So something like The Chosen, I believe that the goal of The Chosen is to tell the story of Jesus. Yeah. I don't think they're there. I mean, I don't think they even thought that it was going to become this big, huge hit that they thought it was going to become. 
Uh, but it has been because they had a goal of, hey, we want to kind of, and I think it's a way, well, how can we present Jesus in a kind of a, an authentic an authentic light? Like, it's not like Jesus is saying anything that's, you know, that's like, oh, Jesus didn't say that. Or I think they just do a kind of a good job of kind of navigating, but also taking some creative liberties with, with tastefulness, with respect, I believe. Um because if they were taking creative liberties without respect, then I think a lot of times people would definitely be condemning it and protesting it and banning it and, oh, and burning all copies of The Chosen. Cancel your subscriptions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's always the good thing. Like, what's the goal? And I, I mean, one documentary that's on this list was uh, Strange Negotiations. It's the story of David Bazan. And I've watched that twice. If you don't know who David Bazan is, he's the guy who uh, created the band Pedro the Lion, kind of like a Christian folk band that's been around. And But he kind of has his own crisis of faith. Um, and it's basically that journey of him having this crisis of faith. And it's interesting because even after talking with um, the guy who made the documentary, he said even after the documentary, it was interesting because here's David, who is this, grew up in the Assemblies of God, was a pastor's kid went into the Christian music scene, kind of had this crisis of faith, kind of left and kind of was questioning God. And now it's like, he's going back to church and he's kind of reconnecting with his faith. And it's like, Oh, so it's stuff like that. Um, what is it with these people that like get some like semi-famous or famous and all of a sudden they have a crisis of faith and it's the church and the Christian movement that really brought them to stardom. Like, what do you, why do you think that is? Well, I think, I mean, well, I think the problem and well, I, and I, and I can and actually the next documentary underneath this is I survived I kissed dating goodbye and it's the guy who wrote the book talking about his experience and his crisis of faith Joshua Harris but I I feel like my my assumption is this I feel like when you get popular as a Christian artist right or if you're popular whether you wrote a book or you had a song. I think kind of the big thing is, is you kind of get put on a platform um, that you're not expecting to be. Like, I think there's one story, just looking at that trailer I tried to play, the Safer Old Manny, where there's this girl who's probably like maybe 16, 17 years old, has a record deal, and she's singing. And then she kind of talks a little bit how a producer tried to to force himself upon her and like sexually assaulted her. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Like what's going on here and um i think the main thing is is that either you get thrown into a position into a leadership or a position of stardom that you're not ready for or it's almost kind of like you're forced into it right hey if you want to be successful you're going to have to do this 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 so you're just kind of going with it because it's like oh i can be successful and oh the christian music industry can you can make millions of dollars from singing songs about jesus yeah so the day the other day i was um i'm a huge fan of paul balash and i I have been my whole worship ministry and Mm -hmm. i got to meet paul years ago at a lead worship workshop weekend uh, at cedarville college in ohio and he is just a stellar person and so the other day um he was on a live stream on facebook with somebody he's got a new project coming out called anchor hymns or something like that where he's doing a collaboration with all these younger worship pastors and it's just um the guy that was interviewing him was like 
Paul, you've just had this amazing career, just this amazing um, legacy that you've left. And, but Paul, he was like, what would you say to the worship pastor today? That's trying to to do what you did. And he was like, just stay humble. And you can just tell that he mm-hmm. is just genuinely living out God's word. And he is just truly grateful for the life that he's been able to live. And um, thankful for every opportunity he's had. And he was like, well, what was your day like today? He's like, well, I was in, I was in Texas or Nashville. No, I was, no, I was in New York and I had to fly. I get up at 4am and fly and leave LaGuardia to go to Nashville by the way of Dulles. And I had to get my own rental car. He's like, man, what a luxurious, luxurious life Paul Veloz lives. And he's, he's talking about how like, you know, if Scott, you or I were to like travel across the country and go to a conference or something like, it's just, he has tried to be as grounded as possible in his career. And I think it's truly paid off. And I've, I've heard things about other, you know, worship leaders and songwriters and um, people in the worship circuit that aren't as nice and they're not as graceful as, as what Paul is. Um, and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of it just has to do with staying humble. It has to, you know, know you know, knowing that, you know, in a blink of an eye um, you could just, you know, lose it all right you talk about the person that just you know made a pass at that girl mm-hmm. uh in that project like your career is over somebody accuses you of something you're done like those things are you know not tangible with you know negotiations it's like you, you screw up man especially in ministry you got a bigger microscope under you it's it's a little bit harder to you know defend yourself and back yourself out of that if you get caught right so yeah um, and then like to the point of you know, like, let's just say Carl Wentz, for example, like that whole thing just blew way up and yet he's still serving in the church. So I don't really understand. Well, and, and that, and it's interesting too, because, you know, me watching both the, uh, me watching both the documentaries, the Hillsong exposed, and then the, um, I want to say the life and times of Hillsong, but that's not what it's called, but it was on Hulu, but you know, when you're hearing Carl talk about everything, like there's a part of me that hearing him speak about everything that had happened to him with Hillsong, you know, there's a part of me where I kind of got tired. It's like, okay, dude, just take your responsibility, right? Just own up to the fact that you screwed up, that you had an affair, and that you were doing things that wasn't of God, you know, and just kind of go from there. Um, And again, this documentary was way before he got that position as a media person in whatever church that, whatever church he's at now. But this is when he was actually, actually he was in Florida and he was doing um, freelance marketing. That's basically what he was doing um, outside of Hillsong. Um, but then there's other times where he would really talk about where I could feel he was very sincere about where he did take ownership of certain things. Um, but then you compare him and you kind of hear his story and you kind of talk about things. And then you hear the responses that Brian Houston has been giving out. And it's almost like you kind of become a little bit more sympathetic towards Carl in some ways. It's almost like Brian's not taking any ownership of some of the shortcomings he's had he's just like passing the blame passing the buck to carl or passing the buck to other people within hillsong or the elders and it's like 
Yeah. I, I you know, so I think there's a where Carl, I think he kind of has a little bit of false humility in some ways. At least he's practicing humility, where Brian Houston's not at all from both those documentaries. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that, you know, I think humility is a great thing. And I think the other thing too is if you're young, I mean, I think about um oh, what's his name? Gungor, Michael Gungor. Because I know he posted something where he's like kind of like wants to go back to church and kind of reconnect with his faith and stuff. And he's kind of going back to that journey after he kind of left. And I feel like when you're young and then you kind of get that exposure and you kind of get that big push because people are connecting to your music or connecting to your stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, you may not know what to do with that. It's like, oh, this is what it is. But then you kind of start conflicting. Well, the things that I'm doing or the things that I'm being told kind of conflict with what I'm reading in the Bible and how does that equate? And I think that's kind of where, you know, I think it's kind of a good idea of just kind of exposing that. And then I think, you know, in the case of the gun gores, it's like, well, they kind of went too far in the thing of, oh, this is a Christianity, and then kind of go, well, well, I don't know what I believe anymore. It's like, well, maybe the thing you started to believe with wasn't entirely gospel-centered in the first place. And yeah, and it's, I think, and I think, and, I, and I'm really, I think that's what the whole deconstruction process is. It's like, okay, I'm now taking apart everything just to kind of figure out what truth do I can, what truth do I have that when I line it up with the scriptures can say, okay, this is matching up. And then you're just trying to rebuild your faith and going, okay, all the stuff I was told that I'm not seeing add up to the scripture. I have to tear that all the way back down to the foundation, which is Jesus Christ himself, and then try to build everything back up. And I think that's, I think that's a hard process. And I think it goes back to not only me, if I'm a superstar getting all this exposure, being humble, but I think it also goes to church leaders to kind of also make sure that they're doing a good job of really not only living the gospel and communicating it, but also living it out as well. You know, don't say, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then you're not acting like Jesus to your staff behind closed doors. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, from personal experience, um, you know, I, as a kid, teenager went to church every, every Sunday, right. It was the pastor's kid. And it wasn't up until like I was 18 years old, my family moved away. I was kind of mad at the church. I wasn't mad at God, but I was mad at the church and I had to really like, figure out what I believed and why. And then I think it's okay to like figure those things out because the scripture tells us we need to figure it out for ourselves. And, um, you know, God's going to guide us and lead us. And, um, the other thing is that like, so, you know, when I was a young kid, teenager, young adult moved away from the church kind of thing, because I was just so upset with how my parents were treated. Um, and some of the things that I got to see firsthand as a pastor's kid, um, it really kind of gave me a very, very jaded view of what the church looked like. And I'm not saying that any church is perfect. However, I got to see some things that, you know, any young person probably shouldn't see, especially with their parents, because, you know, Scott, you talked about as a pastor, when you interview for a job, what other job do they interview your wife as well? 
right? Mm-hmm. I would say I would take that a step further and say your kids, right? Because like it's just this is where you're going to raise your kids and have your kids go to church and and you yeah. know, be a part of that. And so like for me, you know, I got to see a lot of things, you know, because like you know your kids get to go with you to work essentially, right? They get to see what you see a little bit. Not like some of the bad things, but you may, they may be exposed to some of those things. And then um, it may leave a sour taste in their mouths growing up mm-hmm. later on. And so like, and I think that's kind of what happened to me. And then um, as a young adult, I, I, you know, I finished college and I, I felt called to ministry and kind of had this profound moment and got back involved with the church and spent over a decade leading worship and doing ministry and pastoring and nonprofits. And I got really burnt out. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't the relationship with Jesus and it wasn't, you know, theology. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a crisis of faith. It was burnout and trauma and hurt from the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's ironic that pastors are the first people that, (laughs) that feel that. I'm not saying that lay people don't, but, you know. Pastors not only have to feel it, but they have to walk alongside the people that are going through it. And there's a lot of woundedness, a lot of scars. And so like, even thinking over the last year of my life, like it's, you know, in all honesty, it's nice on some Sundays to say, Hey, Alicia, do you want to go to church today? No, I just want to stay in bed. (laughs) Great. Uh, We can watch something online or I can watch a sermon later or listen to it. But you know, it all that to say that like it's it's interesting to see how these these people that have you know made significant money and and, and rose to stardom over the years, uh, you know, get get too big, you know, big of a head, and then they get in trouble and have a crisis of faith. I on the other side, I have friends that work at large churches, and Scott, you would never know that that they, that they did, and you know, they work at churches of thousands of people and have a killing, make a killing, uh, salary wise. And they're, uh, you know, blessed, uh, the church is blessed financially. They have, you know, stellar venues, uh, you know, the lights, the sound, the audio, the 300 staff members, and, you know, all these things that, you know, you or I have ever dreamed of, because, you know, like we said a couple of weeks ago in an episode, we're the guys that go in on Sunday mornings and turn the lights on and make sure the slideshow is ready to go and run rehearsals. And Scott, sometimes you're playing drums on Sunday and, and you know, you don't know until about 30 minutes before. Uh, but it's like, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, that parallel, but you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I kind of got off on a little. No, you're, you're, you're fine. You're fine. But yeah, I, I'd agree with everything you're saying. Like it's, um, you know, when we again kind of steering the thing back to Christian media, like you know, I think and I think the hard part for me with Christian media, and I'll just kind of take it in a different direction, is you know, I'm not someone who I mean I love music, but I'm not someone that like if I'm in a church setting, I'm not the one who's getting the goosebumps to praise and worship. I know when it comes to worship, people want to dance, people want to sing out loud. And for me, and people can kind of get moved, whether it's moved by their emotions or moved by the Holy Spirit. Like, and I think that's um, something that, you know, it's fine because it's, again, it's kind of letting them connect to God in a way that they can connect with music or connect. But for me, like, I've always felt like if I can sit in church and I can watch someone do a show 
or a skit and it's very powerful and it can really connect me or if there's a little like sermon illustration that can connect a message to me that kind of makes things kind of become more real or it's something that really clicks in my head and my heart to go okay i understand this aspect of theology i understand kind of a a modern way to kind of view this portion of the gospels by watching a movie clip from this popular movie um at the same token, if I see something that is bad, cheesy, and I just feel like, and again, it goes back to what's the purpose, right? What's the purpose of this, or what's the director's vision for this? Because I've been part of skits where literally I absolutely hated doing it. I hated it. Or anytime when I make a suggestion to kind of change it, because it's kind of getting into the it's starting to dip into the cheese whiz, if you know what I'm saying. Um, the director's like, oh, no, don't do that. And it's like, and I remember one time there was one skit where it was a Christmas skit and it was a woman coming into the library or it was a woman who's a librarian and a guy comes in and he wants to try to find Noel in the Bible. He wants to try to find um, jingle bells in the Bible. So I'm like, okay, so I'm playing this and I I was playing it as somebody who my character direction that I started was like somebody who is kind of being like more of like, hey, can you tell me where Jingle Bells is in the Bible? Like kind of being like a smart aleck in some ways and then allowed that opportunity for the librarian to kind of say, oh, here, let's really look at what's in the Bible. Because it was written kind of, you can you could go it that way. But the director wanted me to make this very comedy. Like, I didn't know what was in the Bible. And I really literally thought that Jingle Bells was in the Bible. And I remember sitting at home, going through my lines, memorize, like going through my lines, going through my actions and, and memorizing everything. And I remember I would say my line, and at the end of each line, I would look at my wife and I go, huh, huh, I'm stupid. Like I did, I felt like I was like the biggest idiot in the world going to this librarian. Like I'm like to be the stupidest man in the world because some of the stuff in here, like clearly, like we're Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Duh. Like, and I hated it. I hated it so much. And the director wanted me to be this like hillbilly buffoon. And I'm like, no, I just, I feel like it's going to be so cheesy that people are just going to think this is a comedy sketch and the real message is going to get lost. And I feel like sometimes that's like a lot of Christian media. It's like, here's all this dumb stuff that no one really cares about that's going to take most of the people's attention and now we're going to slide a little bit of the gospel in there it's like here give me a cheesecake and then we have one piece of broccoli in the center so at least i ate my vegetables oh and i think that's why the chosen has been really popular and received well yeah, because it's, it's been a very good portrayal of what what biblical characters look like that and then even like you know we mentioned um the resurrection of gavin stone which I thought that film had its comedic moments, but I thought that entire film was really good. Yes. It was really good. I felt like the way they did it, and even though you had... um, But then you could look at, like... um, And even, like, I really enjoyed Paul the Apostle. 
because I thought that was really good too, because it kind of capitalized the Apostle Paul. But then when we start getting into the God Not Dead films, the I just feel like a lot of that is just playing off stereotypes. And if I had to pick like my favorite God's Not Dead film, it would probably be the second one, and only because they actually had some good actors in there that made it palatable. Because the other two, there was like maybe one key good actor and everyone else was just awful. And I could tell they had zero acting experience whatsoever. I think I only ever saw the first one. Did you see the first one? Because you kept getting texts from your friends that said, hashtag God's not dead. No, I think I... That was the big big marketing. Every time on Facebook or even in my text message, I kept getting, God's not dead. He's surely alive. I'm like, what in the world is... Why am I getting all these text messages? Why is this popping up on my Facebook feed? And then I went and saw the first God's not dead film. I go, oh, that's why. Because they're telling you at the end of the film to text everybody you know that God's not dead. I think I saw it at a church function. And I I remember just being devastated when that girl uh, who had a, a Muslim background renounced her faith to be christian and her family basically denounced her and beat her yeah and, but and, and, I th- and i feel like with the gods not dead like there are so many sub stories and i felt like that was probably the strongest one i think that was the one that i probably had a more connection with not because it was the situation of a muslim becoming a christian and her family renouncing her but more of just how that was directed and how that was how that was acted out was actually authentic in some ways where I felt like some of the other stuff was just like, like it still, it still bothered me when the atheist professor finally decides to get right with Jesus. And he starts kind of getting into becoming Jesus. And he goes to a newsboys concert to go find his wife. That's like left him. And he wants to like reconcile with her and it gets hit by a car and dies. Like, But then that, but then, twist. that like, but then that African oh sorry, spoiler alert. But then that African shaman guy's there and he's like leading him to Christ while he's dying on the road. He's like, Oh, God's is good all the time. All the time, God's good. It's like the dude was trying to reconcile with his wife. He was already there. Why do we have to hit him with the car? Dramatic effect, Scott. Dramatic, dramatic effect. effect. Dramatic effect. Yeah, dramatic effect in the wrong way. Like maybe go, man. I was kind of starting to get invested in this film and you just totally ruined it for me. It's, it's like, like Jordan, you hit me with It's like Jordan like and Morbius. Me. Oh. <laughs> We're not going there, but but yeah, I think when we think about the and so for me overall when I look at it I think I'm I really like that we're seeing Religious stories kind of coming out more, Um, not just let's retell the Bible in a different way, um, but even just, you know, like the resurrection of Gavin Stone, like very good, um, very well-written script, very well acted. Everybody did a great job with that. Um, It also also was produced by WWE Films because Shawn Michaels is in it. So it's like, oh, cool. Probably one of my favorite WWE film movies out there because <laughs> some of the other ones are kind of not great. Um, the Marine, yeah, the Marine one, two, three. Uh, We're like on seven now. Oh gosh, uh, goodness. But anyway, yeah, I really like it. Even the documentary stuff. Like I think the uh, documentary, say for the whole family, the making of a Christian superstar. I'm probably going to watch it. And I'm probably, you know, I may like it too. Um, 
I know there's that uh, that's something someone else was telling me that they watched that um what is it? Shiny Happy Shiny Family about the Duggards that's on Amazon Prime. I haven't seen that one, but someone said they watched that one. It's like they said they watched two episodes in it and they're like, "Man, I can't watch this anymore." And I'm like, "Oh, because the content was just so heavy." And it's like, "Well, I'll probably watch it just to see what it's about." But yeah, I think there's just a lot of good stuff out there both kind of shining a light to the good stuff about it and kind of shine lights like hey here's kind of some not good stuff about it and let's kind of figure out why this is and what can we do to kind of get the church kind of back on track with you know being biblical and everything we do which i think that's kind of what the american gospel documentaries are trying to do with uh with preaching but even there there's some bias there too which i'm like yeah <laughs> there's definitely some bias here <laughs> How do you feel about churches showing them in, in, in church? Okay. Um, I will tell you this, and I'm going to be blunt. I'm okay with them showing it in church. What I'm not okay is, is when the film company wants the church to pay five or $600 for them to show it one time. To me, that's... How are they going to know? Well, true, but if someone, I mean, but that's the thing. Like if someone rats them out, then it becomes a multi-million dollar lawsuit. Because I've, I've heard that happen, at least in a church in Texas one time, where someone played a film and they didn't have the rights in. Multi-million dollar lawsuit. And, and I think my big frustration is this. If I go to like, you know, the CVLI license and I buy the entire license product of all these different films and especially like, let's say like the God's not dead. Oh, I won't even say God's not dead, but I know the Kendrick brothers, like Sony was their distributor. So it's like, Oh, cool. I can play like war room with my, with my video license because Sony's a part of it. And then right at the very beginning, it says you must buy a license from us. Any other license you have does not count. And I'm thinking, why am I, then why am I playing this movie? You know, for me, that's just kind of a big, like, I don't know. I feel like, again, that's kind of getting greedy too. And I know you want to pay your, the people who worked on the film. And I wouldn't mind paying the price if it was like, I couldn't act if it wasn't under my license that I already have. But the fact that I have something that is under my license, but this film's telling me I can't use that license because they want me to pay into their own license and pay, five six to eight hundred dollars just to show it one time it's like for a church of 50 people i'm not paying eight hundred dollars to watch war room i'm sorry if that case i'll just say hey everyone from church we're just going to watch this film and we're just not going to try to do it as an outreach thing because i don't want to get sued in case someone reports us so that's how i feel about all that well, especially with streaming now, like you could pull up Netflix and watch something. Yeah. Yeah, you could pull up a lot of things and watch it. And that's just where I think is ridiculous. Like, so that's the thing. Like, I don't mind churches playing movies in their churches or trying to do like a big outreach event. Like, hey, let's go and let's gather together. And what if our small group, them? Scott, what if our small group like did it at, you know, like Alicia and I were hosting a small group and we wanted to show God's not dead in our home and we threw it up on Netflix. And see, that's the difference. And that's the difference because the way it says they, oh, a lot of times these video packages, they always say, well, this video, you can watch it for home use. 
So you watching God's Not Dead in your home is okay, but if you decide to take your small group and watch it in one of the classrooms at the church, then you're going to have to pay a licensing fee. Greedy. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel the same way you do. Or even, or even like, oh, this is the church copy of God's Not Dead because the church bought it. But still, even they say, no, you can't do that because it's for home use. All these movies, all these DVDs, when you get at the FBI warning, it says it's for home use. And they throw that disclaimer. This is for home use. Any church use, you're going to have to pay a licensing fee. So even if the church on the church credit card in the church's name bought God's Not Dead, and you played it, you're still going to have to pay $500. Or even if you bought the movie from the company, you initially bought the license to show it one time for $500, where you got a couple posters and the $15 DVD, and you go and it's in your church library, and you decide to play it again and bring people in. Nope, you got to pay us another $500 to show that. Yeah. Like that's, that's it. to me, I feel like that's when it's like, a little greedy, especially if you already have like a an umbrella license that kind of covers all these other films, both Christian and non-Christian film companies that you can play. And you're saying, no, sorry, you cannot play this film because it's not under our license. Like that's when I kind of go, eh, not a big fan of that. So where do you see, where do you see this kind of stuff going? Christian media in the future? Well, oh gosh, I think... I feel like we're kind of almost at a crossroads in some ways. Yeah. Because I think we've kind of had this huge influx of Christian media, some good, some bad. But now I feel like you're going to get into stuff where like the last God's not dead, which, oh my gosh, I forget what, I think it's called injustice for all. And I told you how it kind of came out right around the Capitol riots. So you have that one, right? But then you can have another Christian film like, say, for the whole family, where it's talking about kind of the how we how these people rose to superstardom in the Christian music industry and kind of the evils it took, or kind of the successes and evils it took. So you're gonna kind of have this thing where you're gonna have people who are trying to be very authentic and very raw about something, whether it's a good something good, like the other. Christian music documentary talking about uh, Calvary Chapel in California and how all these Christian bands and artists kind of came from that. And, you know, let's talk about this historical site that launched off all these different Christian bands from there. Let's talk about that. And that's a great thing versus here's the ugly side of the Christian music industry. And I yeah. think you're at that crossroads where now, especially with the political turmoil, like our film's going to be authentic or our film's going to kind of buy to their own audience. Are they going to kind of say, Hey, you know, God in America, it's a great thing. And people are going, God in America is not a great thing. <laughs> Here's all the evil that has come from it. So I think we're kind of at a, uh, kind of at a crossroads where I'm not really sure where it's going to go. Like, I don't know if we're going to get more content. And it's just going to be more of us trying to separate it. Or are we going to kind of see a little bit more less content, but we're going to see more quality. Cause I mean, already I saw that there was a spoof from the creation museum called night at the creation museum based off the night at the museum series. And it's sitting at like one star. 
And the other ones, and then the night at the Ark Encounter is a half a star. So you know they're very bad films. <laughs> well, I guess I guess the reason I asked is because you know we've talked on Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead before about just the oversaturation of um content, right? Whether it's Marvel, whether it's Star Wars, DC, whatever the the genre, we just live in a, uh, a society nowadays where there's just so much out there. There's so much to watch. There's so much, you know, whether your your jam is, you know, pop culture, documentaries, mm-hmm. Star Wars comics, Marvel, DC, you know, uh, thriller, whatever the genre may be. Like, there is just so much out there. And then there's so many streaming services, right? You've got your HBO Max. You've got your Disney Plus. You've got your Hulu. You've got your Netflix and, you know, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where does the Christian genre a film fit into that and well they go on pure flicks another streaming service or pluto or uh, what uh, stars or you know you name it sling tv but like in in all seriousness like with the movie industry like i know the writer strike is now over um you know what does that look like moving forward and um like you say you know said scott you can (laughs) make a movie it doesn't mean it's going to be a good one yeah and I think a lot of that influx has probably come because of, you know, studios holding their content back because no one was going to watch it during the pandemic, especially if they want it in the theaters. But then the other thing is, is that because of the co- because of the shutdown, there are so many people, I mean, especially with documentaries. Well, hey, I can go and I can like record people through Zoom and do interviews and I can just film all that and piece it together and I can kind of make a film or go somewhere and just take a camp single camera and go do stuff because everything else is shut down and you know it's not like i can't you know none of these artists are touring so i can actually sit down with them and they can share their stories because what are they doing they're not going on tour because they can't go on tour because none of the venue all the venues are closed to do shows so i think that well, and, um, and too like scott some something you know some projects aren't even going to the theaters they're just going straight to streaming yeah absolutely so it's it is it's it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds and especially it's going to be interesting to see because every time when you have like a big show like a friends that eventually decides they're going to call it quits and end then it's like then usually a lot of these studios are like okay what's going to be the thing that's kind of like friends that's going to fit within that market that's going to fit inside that time slot and usually they can't find anything or just like they put a bunch of stuff. And once they start not getting the same ratings as friends did, it's like, okay, well, you know, we're not going to do it anymore. Um, it's the same thing. Like when parenthood ended, what was going to take the place of parenthood? Well, then this is us came around and that was kind of hit the same demographic, that same audience. And that kind of rode that wave in that time slot. And I feel like when the chosen finally decides to call it quits and they're done with their series, what's going to fill that slot? And that's going to be and that's going to be a hard sell because it's not just a something that's very popular that everyone enjoys, but it also has a Christian marketing ploy too that appealed to Christian believers. So to find something in that market is going to be very difficult to find um, to fill that void. So you know that's so it's going to be very interesting. And I think once the chosen goes off the air. That's when we're going to kind of see, okay, are we still going to see this pumping of Christian media now? Because the 
the coattails of the one that's kind of like paving the way that a lot of this other stuff is kind of coming behind is no longer there. So what's going to sink and what's going to continue to swim and continue to, you know, be prevalent within the um, American media society. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's anybody's guess at this point, right? I mean, with the, with the age of social media and the AI, AI conversation and, you know, just all these different variables. And, you know, the reason I asked that just a few minutes ago was that like, I, Christian media, whether it's, you know, music, Christian music industry, or, you know, even film as we're talking about today or series or shows, it's like, that's always taken a backseat because everything else is more important. Mm-hmm. So as, as technology evolves and things evolve and time evolves, how much more of a backseat is that Christian movement, Christian, um, John are going to take a backseat as a result. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, friends, that's going to do it for us. So let us know in the comments. What do you think about this wave of uh, Christian media out there from podcasts to documentaries to just shows out there? Like, what are your thoughts? Are, are you enjoying it? Are you hating it? Do you feel like that once the Chosen's gone, that everything's going to kind of fizzle back out and we're going to kind of see this dip and then something else is going to rise back up? Um, just let us know what you feel about it and or is or even recommend if there's certain shows or things that are on the horizon saying, hey, you should really check this out or you should check this documentary out or check this movie out. Like, let us know. And if you also are not a big fan of the God's Not Dead franchise, please also let us know, too, so we don't feel like I'm the only one. All right, friends, have a great day. And I'll talk to you later with another episode. Bye bye. Bye.